Hello and welcome back everyone to another week with your host Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW, Licensed Clinical Social Worker, and Harav Nissen. Tzadik stands for Tzadik. Um, anyhow, as usual, we are looking forward to taking your questions or comments. The number to ask your question to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And if you'd like to text your question, it's 347-927-8398. That's really texting your question or comment, 347-927-8398. But just to be aware that we take callers over the texts. We've got already a caller. Who do we have on the air? We have uh, Mrs. M. We have Mrs. M. Hi, you're on with Mordechai Anissim. Hi, thanks so much for your show. And I also bought your book, but I'm saving it for Yanta. So oh, I'm looking forward to enjoying it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It's got a lot of buzz going on around it, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, at least we can still get it here in London. I was worried it's going to sell out. Yeah. It was a pretty great sellout over here in New York, Baruch Hashem, the stores. After like the second time that they reordered it, they order on a lot grander scale. So now the stores have it, but it's, I, you know, I get a pleasure. I have sometimes my clients, they go to a bookstore and then they show me how there's like six or eight books left of the other ones or the new releases. And then like mine is like down to one or two. So I still yes, get I those messages. I got into a bit of a panic when I heard that, so I quickly went and got my coffee. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so you're calling all the way from England. Let's go yeah. ahead. What's your question or comment? Um, I think it's a bit of an unusual question. It's probably the opposite problem of what most people have. But um, I have an issue with punctuality, um, which means that if I'm not where I'm supposed to be at a given time, I get physical symptoms of, like, anxiety. So I'm always way too early. Right. Um, and I'll give an example of how my brain works. So let's say I have to meet someone on the corner at 8.30, so in my brain I'll know that I have to leave my house at 8.20, and then I'll think, one well, minute, but I need to leave a few minutes earlier just in case I meet someone and, and start chatting. So that means I need to leave that quarter past, and then at 10 past I start putting on my jacket, but obviously it doesn't take five minutes, it takes about half a minute, which means that I end up waiting on the corner for 10 minutes, wasting my time. Right. So I'd like to know how to work out my life that I can be just, right on time instead of wasting so much of it waiting around in doctor's surgeries or in, in even in my job i come about 15 20 minutes early every day so if we would have to sum up your question or what i call the number one diagnosis in the firm world which isn't a diagnosable diagnosis what would you diagnose yourself from the um, from what we discuss over here on our programs perfectionist a bingo you got it <laughs> And let's even discuss I think that's a one-size-fits-all diagnosis. Right. Well, let's go recognize how this is a one-size-fits-all. You want to be able to leave your house exactly on time, put on your coat, get your coat exactly as long as it takes, meet the person to know exactly which, knowing ahead of time, you don't know if you'll meet someone, but to know to speak to them exactly the amount, and this way you'll get there on time. And if you get there 10 minutes early, I'm 10 minutes early. Now, to anyone mm -hmm. that is early, we'll always tell you, being in order to be early means chances are sometimes you'll be 10 minutes early, sometimes you'll be 20 minutes early, sometimes you'll be 5 minutes early. But it's not but called some, wasting But sometimes time. even when it's, when it's um, acceptable to be late, let's say, yeah, a share of brothels or something, however hard I try to be late, I'm always the first. Like now, even, if I, even if I torture myself at home, just stay home, don't yet leave, don't yet leave, I'm still going to be the first. 
That's right. When I now, travel abroad in the airport, I, I, I kill hours in the airport. Now, we system. definitely can call that anxiety, but that's a nice, simple word to cover everything. Let's try to say it's not anxiety. What's your concern if you will be late? I don't know. I've never tried it. <laughs> Close your eyes a second. Imagine you're late. What are you worried about? I'm missing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm, I'm supposed to be somewhere. Right. And Isn't I'm that a pressure? There. I'm supposed to be doing something? i got to be perfect. i got to do everything. I'm missing out a second on something. Do you hear the perfectionist in the background? That buzzing? Bzzz, I should have been doing something else. And how could, I, how could I have some wasted time? And what happens if I miss the plane? And what will happen if you actually miss the plane? Nothing. There might be a charge. Worst comes to worst. And most of the times they'll honor it. Now, that just since you did it this way, since you already did this already, now I could say I'm not pushing my book. But the first two chapters of the book, actually the first three chapters, are literally discussing you. And I'll explain to you. The first chapter is about building a self-esteem. That means that when you have self-worth, versus the trap of self-doubt that's the name of the chapter means if you don't have a self-esteem it means an inner value then if someone if you make a mistake then you feel worthless and horrible and then i need to make a decision now what happens if i do the wrong decision when someone has a self-esteem it's okay i know being in the leadership position means i will make mistakes i know that mistakes will happen you can let go <clears throat> Once you, once you work on the chapter self-esteem, then comes the second chapter about the permission to make mistakes. Imagine you'd be able to let go and allow yourself to make mistakes versus perfectionism. That's chapter two, which is exactly what we discuss here. And if you'll notice, almost all the chapters over here are discussed on the most important topics that I work with everyone, and it's especially meant to be teenager-friendly and adult-friendly. And then comes the third one, which is not so much detailed for you, but it's very much important to you. And that is being able to make mistakes, to have new beginnings, as I call it, to unlike, unlock life's new beginnings. That means you're always going to be doing things and you're always going to be making mistakes at the first steps. Chances are you probably don't like to do things over and over. Right. Uh, or learn new stuff. So these are all the concepts in perfectionism. And that's also what we've specifically put in the book. Right, but is it normal to actually get physical symptoms? Like, of if I, I can't stay overtime in work, I can't. Of because course, of course I feel it wrong. is. That's already anxiety. Where we start getting heart palpitations, we start getting fears, we start thinking about it. And then you start regretting, why am I thinking so much about it? Why can't I just go easy? Right? Don't you beat yourself right. up why you're so early, but then if you get there just on time, you're worried the whole time, maybe I'll be late. You're in that catch-22, whatever you do, there isn't peace in your mind. So what's the solution to read the book, read the, the chapters in the book? Honestly, I'm cheating if I tell you read the book because that's already a lot more. It's more you might need already a little bit more guidance, like a teacher or someone to work with you, either along the book or just to understand some of the stuff that are going on. It's more like more exercises. That okay, let's say we read the book on self-esteem. Say the self-esteem. We allow yourself to make mistakes. Allow yourself to really be late. And have someone do it with you. That's part of the exercise in the book. But what I'd recommend is the way you're describing it, the book itself, I would not recommend is enough. I would really recommend that you have a friend work with the book. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Do you understand what the issue is? Yeah, I do. 
I just uh, the I issue was, is that's I wasn't sure, like a normal thing to actually. You're um, very normal, extremely normal. That's I made this chapter. This book is based on the ten most normal mistakes that we think, and the longer we think that way, the more stuck we're going to be. And we can be sixty years old and stuck along those lines, like for people that don't know how to say no, but in a nice, loving way. For someone that doesn't know how to ask advice, for example, if you're calling up with a question, so you're now getting advice, what would happen if you'd be sitting in with this question, eating you up? Right? Can I share with you a question, and I'm not going to go much into it, because we just got it, because I actually addressed it today on my phone line, I was quite assertive on this, but I'm going to read to you a question, and tell me if you could see yourself that way. I'm a perfectionist, I wanted to invite my Almana sister for a day suda, but realize that after the Seder, my house will be dirty and my Gaita can't come on Shabbos. If I... Oh, it didn't come up. If I know that she will be coming... Well, it's jumping over here. So just give me a second. Here it is. Sorry, it's just not coming in an order as a text. So if I know that she will be coming that morning after the Seder, I'll be very nervous with my kids all Seder long. And if anything spills, it gets dirty... Then she'll get nervous. Question. Should I invite her anyhow, be uptight to my kids all night, or save the invitation for a calmer time when my Gaita can come and clean up? Which mitzvah is more important, having an almana and her kids over for a pseudo, or being calm with the mess all said along? Of course, it's best to break my perfection, but that will take time to fix. I did buy your book for Pesach and hope to get some answers. The question is time sensitive for today. Please answer. Let me tell you my response. And this person, I'm sure, did not like my response. My response was, the answer is you got to do a mitzvah to the almana, to your sister, and the mitzvah to your kids. And do you know what that is? You call up a therapist today, you call up Relief or Echo today, and you tell them, I suffer from major perfectionists because I've got a secret to this mother. If she is such a perfectionist, she is not calm when her husband, when her kids spill on the table now. That is the lie that she's fooling herself and why she still didn't go for therapy or get help. Uh, let's think a second. This lady has got a sister that's an almana with kids, and her own kids will make a mess that she can't have them the next day, Suda? It's your sister. It's not your friend where you might have that. It's your very own sister. And your kids will make a mess. No one could come to your house. She is fooling herself. She is not, she is not being honest with herself. And that's what perfectionist is. Can you see that now? Could you see yeah. that within yourself? Needing to be yeah. perfect. So therefore, work it out with someone. Go ahead and get help. Take a friend, take the book and work it out together. Right. Make sense? Yeah, a lot of sense. Thank you very much. Excellent. So what I'm telling you is it, you're so young that it's easy and simple to work on. Just take the book, open up, start making mistakes. That's more exposure therapy. Come late and you'll see how it's no big deal. Harvness, so what do you say? You know, it's funny because I, I really wanted to, to, to mark this uh, message, also the text. It's so... Obvious, and uh, I think that uh, as we all know that everything from a Kadosh Baruch Hu, and I would say like this: if you're late, Siman, it's a sign that good. You know something. You know you did. It, it's supposed to be that you're late. Take it as as a benefit that if you're doing something not late, Chas could happen that they crash the the airplane crash. 
And you always, you are late. So thanks God that you're late to this. And you let the appointment be, you know, what happened? Maybe you find a better job. You find something better. Everything, I call it over. Take, take this and you're allowed to do mistakes as we know. We're doing mistakes all our life. All our life we're a mistake, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. And for the lady, for the setter, uh, believe me, take a little bit sand from the, ground, from the, from the um, yard, just pour it on the floor and clean it. You know, feel, feel, feel free to mess a little bit the house. And it's simcha. It's really simcha. I don't, I don't believe the kids, you know. You know, I saw houses that it's sealed. You have a plastic wrap on the sofa, plastic wrap on the carpet, everything. So what are you living? You're living in a museum? You're living, your kids are, are objects in the museums? No, we are living. We are human. We are making, you, we go to the bathrooms. We have, uh, unfortunately, you know, sometimes we are, uh, you have sick. Uh, uh, sick, we have nozzles, you know, sometimes, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> and we have to understand, it's, something, it's, it's part of our life. You go to the bathroom, yes, it's a little bit stinky sometimes, you know. <laughs> that's, that's what the planet of life, you order, you call to the kids, to the grandchildren, you cannot enjoy the grandchildren. And that it's something very unusual, so to please give yourself a little bit layer and just free from uh, the, this problem and the, uh, enjoy the Pesach. So let me ask you, how would your life be if you can actually make mistakes and come late? It's trying to be much calmer. Sure. Could you even see yourself smiling that you can go somewhere you don't always have to make cheshbonus on the future? And we'll just read another message because you're from England. Hi, Mr. Weimarger. I'm from London. I stay up every week just to hear your show and never miss a week. I'm up to late every Monday as I call it and addicted to listen to you. Whenever I have a spare moment, it's your number that I call. Thank you. Thank you. Me too. I bought your book, Lekavad Yantiv. Thanks for all you... Thanks for all... You have a great chus for helping me and my confident many others. Have a nice yantif. Amen. Thank you all. Great. So thank you for calling in. And we're going to go ahead. We'll take another caller. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Hatzlacha. Ms. N, you're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Hi, it's me. Yes, it is you. Okay, so of course, thank you so much for your line. Um, I have a question my friend asked me to ask. So she has abnormal stress at home, and she's wondering if it's her problem or if it's her parents' problem. What does she think? Um, so, no, is it like a normal, is the stress normal? Like, is it her problem that she, she takes it as so much stress? That's or the issue. Like, How am I supposed to know if she's not on the line? So, no. So, can I give examples? Go right ahead. So, for example, let's say her mother, let's say, can't put the kids to bed, let's say, without her. Like, she can't. She won't be able to. I didn't or, understand that. Say that again. That what happens if? Let's say she won't be able to, let's say, put the kids to bed without her help. Like, she wouldn't be able to do it without her. All right, so the mother needs her help. But, like, she's very dependent on her. Like, it, she can't do it without her. So now why don't you answer that question? Do you think that that is healthy, that a mother cannot do something without her children doing it? 
Right, so she's thinking if it's maybe BPD. Could it be? Ooh, whoa, we just <laughs> went we just went for a regular question to going completely out of the ballpark over here. It's sort of like asking me, you know, is water kosher? And then for some, and somehow we just went into, into the base on Migdash, you know, about shechting a behem over here. Like, what does one have to do with the other? Um, first of all, it might be that it's a larger family, and it's very normal that when the families get bigger to give different kids jobs. And it's not BPD at all. It's called a normal, big, large family, that the mothers and fathers, they need to delegate more roles to the kids. And yes, the mother cannot do it without her because the mother's doing so many other jobs. And so there might just be a healthy, normal family and it's not stress or anxiety or anything at all. Then there could be an issue where the mother is overwhelmed and this girl is doing a lot. Then there might be an issue where this girl, as much as she complains, really needs to feel needed. And she's the one that's not letting things stop and she has to do it. This girl might even be a perfectionist, where she would want to put the kids to sleep in a better way than her mother does it, and therefore she's doing that. I don't s- think that's the problem. Now, how do we get to BPD? What does BPD mean to you? Um, so what's the symptoms? You're asking me? Yeah. Oh, I don't like doing that on air. I don't like sharing diagnosis, because every time there's an article somewhere in one of the local papers, I get 50 calls and 50 texts on my messages. Oy vey, I'm suffering from this and from that. And I go, wow, this is like last week we had someone diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder. It's like something that's rarely diagnosed, but they read it somewhere or, or something, or like a therapist, like very rarely are certain things. We're not here to go into one of the most complicated diagnoses out there and go say they're, they're diagnosed with that. So like I say, there's, there's like... Like, always um, fighting. Between who? Between, like, the parents and the, and the girl. So, I'll tell you what. This is those complicated questions where I figured I'm going to remain, not say any comments, when you ask me a question about someone else that's asking you to ask. So, this is way too personal, way too complicated to address over the air. This is meant for awareness, all right? This, right. I think your friend, if she's older, like she's 17, 18 and older, she should no. maybe... No, then maybe speak to a teacher and discuss it with a teacher and start opening up that little can of worms and start dealing with it healthily, opening up to a teacher and finding out whether they have a guidance counselor in the school and start getting some professional help or some professional guidance. Right. It's too complicated. This is just an, a forum for ear, you know, where we discuss things publicly and this needs already more one-on-one diagnosis or evaluation all right right okay thank you so much i appreciate much. your bravery for that and again just to clarify it is a very complicated question where to shoot out serious diagnosis without having her on without speaking to her about her parents which isn't even appropriate to do that on air because it's such personal issues makes it complicated right yeah Okay, thanks so much. You're welcome, and have a kosher and Pesach. You too. Hatzlacha Rabbah. Amen. Harvinis, and who else do we got? Yeah. Sure. sure. Miss W, you're on with Mordechai and Harvinis. Hi, hello? Yep. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my pleasure and honor. The reason I'm on my call is actually... Whoops. I'm sorry about that. The reason I'm on my call is actually to share awareness... Um, I'm sorry. Go. I just made a mistake here. I just got confused. Uh, it's actually to share success. But um, before I want to start with that, I 
would like to mention one point which I I personally believe would be maybe worthwhile for the listeners to hear. And uh, okay, just about appreciating this program. I am not aware of this for for that long, but since I did get to know about it, I really um, I just I was just amazed to hear how how much people want to help out and um, just because they care. It's it's like so wonderful and what a what a great trust that. Um, people are so selflessly dedicating from their time and from their patience. And um, it's not only helping each and every caller individually, but actually so many people that are listening to it are also gaining so tremendously, just like I myself am gaining from it. So actually, thanks so much. I mean, thank you is not even enough. I don't think my thanks can be um, put into words, but actually, yeah, this is, I guess, the way to express it. So thanks for all who are involved, whether we know or we um, family or whatever, whoever it is. Um, let's not forget about having in there behind the scenes that we keep on hearing from you, Robert Weinberger, that he's so much involved. But oh. Yes. Actually, thank you so much for for everything. I don't know. Thank I, you. I I actually don't know enough to 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 you know to to uh, to say it more it's, in detail. It's great. It's wonderful, and so many people here behind the scenes and Baruch Hashem. Thank you for that appreciation. Would uh, you Would you also like to share the success? That's that's for sure. This is why I called it. Great. Okay. So I was the one calling in around three weeks ago with a question that you said that. It might be in a self-esteem problem, so yeah. I actually agreed very much with you, and I decided to follow your advice and listen to both of the programs that you recommended me. And I must tell you, I saw major difference, Rosh Hashem. Um, really, like I experienced such a great change within myself. Even like I felt, first of all, after listening to the one and self-esteem i felt so much better about myself mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> and then the one on on, on the, he said one on po- the poison of criticism yes. which is on number the, six yes number, number five. five yeah the poison of criticism that was amazing really i must tell you uh, the, the fact that you're actually that you actually validate the pain of being criticized is so just so wonderful i feel like it really meant to me a lot and Actually, the tools that you always share at the end of each program is also so helpful, and I feel that's actually the main point, which I appreciate so much, that that you actually show for the people, like you you let know for the listeners that there are that there is a way to break out of of the problem and break out of the this trap or whatever it is, yes. and really, it's it's so appreciate appreciate it, and. Um, Great, then now hold on on the air. Thank you for that all. Be Thank you. Then let's go turn you, let's turn you into a therapist over here. Let's go ahead oh. and ask you a question, a text that I got, and I feel it's important. I want to hear of Nissen's opinion as well. Listen to this question. I am Baruch Hashem married to a wonderful learning husband, and my father supports us. My husband learned for the first two years in Koilo, but several years passed, and he's still in, in quotations, make-believe Koilo. But really, he's home with me all day just finding things to do. Is it time for me to seek help? My husband will really be embarrassed, or should I let this continue and wait for him to help himself? What would you say to this question? 
Again, I'm sorry, what was the end of the question? I, I just missed should it. Should this lady, should this wife keep it quiet, keep it, remain quiet, and the father is still supporting them, thinking that the husband's a make-believe, Kyle? Or should she actually get help? I and guess get help. Because... <laughs> I guess this is the most right thing to do, no? But do you see it's a confidence issue, a self-esteem issue? That uh, if someone's well, not confident to face their husband and say something is going on over here, right? Yeah. And hiding and stuck between a father that's supporting and a husband, I'm sure the father's asking, why don't they ever see your husband in Kyle? And which, which minion does he daven in? You know, no one sees him. It's I, I, I just assume, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to assume so, but... Maybe. It might be a self-esteem issue, yeah. Yeah, and that's why I want to show you that by you dealing with your self-esteem, how you change things in the future, that if you have an issue with your husband, you can discuss it with him openly. <laughs> yeah. Now, right. Mason, what do you say to this question? Because this was a hot topic. Yeah, it's, very, it's a very hot topic. You know, that, uh, it's involved so many things around it. You know, I would say that, uh, that uh, the father support them, and this is one issue. They don't want to, want to lose the support. Yeah. It's, you know, it's beside, you know, beside this, the, the confidence, of, but, but uh, and could be that uh, it's, she's feel very, very good. You know, the husband around the house, it's, it's, it's excellent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, for her uh, for, uh, sake and is together. So it's just, you know, why not uh, two two people together in the house? I know that uh, a lot of time that uh, wives require for the, the husband to stay home long. So <laughs> you know we know all this. So, but the question is really what what you expected from your life and your husband? Are you you living in in a, in a fake world, in a lying situation, or uh, this is this is really the situation where w facing yourself, facing your husband and facing yourself. Uh, how you want your life? How you want your children look at your husband or like yourself as faker? Because they, 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 they basically, I would say this is the the right way to say it's faker, no? Isn't it? Yeah. And uh, you fake, uh, you know, you make make believe that he's a Shiva boy, make believe that he's a rabbi, make believe that. You know, and in the meantime, you're sitting and watching. Uh, I don't know what you're doing in the house. It uh, sounds very, very peculiar. You know, I know that involved with finance. Definitely, you don't want that your father. So try to give him a little bit incentive, give him some some support, moral support to go to learn in the in the yeshiva. You know, don't even try to call him home. You know, my dear husband, my I care about my my future children. I go, what can can you start? Go start, start learning and start. You know, give him the the feeling. If he doesn't feel to learn, just kiss him all and let him walk outside physical walk go to to cleaning to work <laughs> work as a kashrut uh, agent whatever what any job that let him go if he's a talent let him go learn in a college something to go outside you cannot live like this it's a faker it's it's a really olam shaker no what do you think Mordechai? I think there's so much over here. Number one, if someone is married, usually a, a child would have a relationship with the parents. If the father says, "What's going on at home?" that the parent, that the child should feel safe to even tell the parents to say, "You know something, we're having some difficulty," and the parent won't get involved, but at least refer to the right place. Hey, this girl is all alone. Husband's not leaving the house. Major issues going on. A man that doesn't leave the house, either depression, anxiety or some other stuff that's going on. The wife that she's first time now looks like reaching out over here to just hear, you gotta get stronger, you gotta get advice. But I'm glad you feel you have a place where to go. And as Renison says, there's so much 
let's say Sheker or things that are going on that we need to start facing issues. We need to start being more open, start sharing our mistakes. That's part of the reason why I share that I go for therapy and part of the reasons why I share so many other stuff. Just to start being aware that we're normal if we've got issues. Start opening them up and let's face it, let's not bury them because it gets so much stronger and so much weaker and or, or so much longer, so much harder in there. I want to tell something because I got a phone call before yeah. and uh, the girl asked me, uh, she cannot be an heir, but it's something somehow related between relationship and parents and house. And she asked, uh, is it possible that uh, a relationship in the house affect my um, uh, appetite? If I'm ah. losing appetite and uh, so, you know, I just want to, to address it to you. And also she asked about Sarno technique. Sarno. Uh, okay. And the third question is, it's possible to gain weight without eating. So uh, all, all of this is in, in come in one bundle. Wow. Um, it's a huge issue and we'll try to tackle it short because we'd rather go take the questions that are coming. But let's go ahead and recognize this. Does your food... Does food have to do with your mood? And the answer is absolutely yes. And let's clarify why. For those of you that have, have knowledge about the brain, there is the limbic system. I discussed that in the book, actually. That's the pleasure part of our brain. That's the feeling part of our brain. Happiness, sadness is over there. And there are several points in our brain that actually affect it. There is food. When we eat, it turns that part of the brain on. And that's why we call it emotional eating, that when we're nervous and we eat, it calms us down. Sweets, sugar also has an effect on us, which turns on that part of the brain. So that's, again, emotional eating. At the same time, some people use it the other way. And that means that some people under stress can't eat because they're so tight that now there's no way for them to eat. So again, our moods will affect our eating symptoms. And unfortunately, eating disorders come into this parsha as well. That is, if someone feels they are controlled in many areas of their lives, the one place they say, I can control myself, is about their food. And many times when children have accidents, younger kids, when they're diagnosed by incompresis, and that's when they're having accidents or enuresis, what we first thing we do on an emotional level is, is there any controlling parents going on that is very much pushing and do this? And many times when you give the parents some of the parenting tips, it relaxes, it takes over the issue. Now, for those of you listening, I don't want to get bombarded now with all those questions of kids four and five years old that it's age appropriate to start having accidents or they're going to school and they're not going. What happens is you just talk to them. I'll go with you to the bathroom and it's okay. We're talking about some nice kids are nine years old and 10 years old and they're having accidents. And believe it or not, this happens. We're not talking about that four and five-year-olds, that sometimes they're going to the bathroom and then it stopped. But what I'm explaining is that a lot of our food has to do with that. Now, about Dr. Sarno's method, I don't like going into different methods, but Dr. Sarno's method is a very simple concept, which he was able to take it and explain it to so many millions of people. There's a classical diagnosis called somatoform disorder. That means somato means our, our body, 
and our can our motion and our bodies are connected and if we have physical pains when there is no medical treatment or medical reason for that it's called stress anxiety whatever else is going on in our lives he wrote a book about it because he's a medical doctor and he was able to find it back pains that people are going in for surgery and he's saying it's not surgery related because he'll show you other people that have the same issue and they don't have any pain. So he's saying it's all in the mind and it's a great treatment. Now again, I don't know what Dr. Sano will have to do with your food issue, so that I'm gonna leave it up to you. And then we are gonna go to the third part of the question, which was, what was that? Gaining weight without eating. <laughs> Gaining weight without eating, I would need to find out because maybe you're not eating that much, but you might be eating the wrong foods. And if you do that, um, then that might be that sometimes you can have a slower metabolism and that can be an issue that again you might be eating the wrong times you might be eating 11 12 1 o'clock at night but fasting and starving yourself by day there are times when your body eats more and less so all dietitians say never skip that breakfast eat that breakfast and if you want to lose weight have smaller meals but we're going to get into that on a whole different level these questions really need to be called in but because of this and asked it we are taking it who do we have next well, <coughs> we have uh, miss Mr. Uh, Miss S. Ms. S. Ms. S, you're on with Mordechai and Hervnissim. Hello, hello. Are you there? Hello. All right, we'll go then to the next caller. So we're going to um, Mr. M. Mr. M, you're on with Mordechai and Hervnissim. Hi, everyone. How are you? Baruch Hashem, amazing. First, I want to thank you for the uh, book. Um, wife and I are really enjoying it a lot. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, you, so, do you um, mind me I, asking what you like about it? Or, you know, sometimes people feel like I'm putting them on the spot. But I'm curious. Like, oh, what? it's okay. Yeah, yeah. First of all, uh, for me personally, I like the uh, first chapter about self-esteem. Yes. I'm really enjoying that a lot. Yes. And also, uh, my wife uh, just recognized uh, a issue that she heard about answering, being able to say no. So she realized that she had that problem. Yes. She, That's um, one of my favorite chapters. I've got several favorite chapters, but that saying no with love, the way people can understand it and accept it, is, is such an amazing, important part. To me, that's one of the probably top three chapters that I review on my own. Wow. So my, my question is um, about the first jump that was coming and I heard from Pesach, uh, I don't know if it's a local style or not, but um, the Pesach that by Shabbat Shalom Joshua, he says that there's no mitzvah of Chinuch on Yomtev because when you go to your in-laws, you go to your parents, and your children go haywire, there's no way to control them. Could you so just, it wasn't coming out that clear. You went to a Joshua and said there's no mitzvah of Chinuch at... On, on. Uh, right, Pesach, because there's no way to control you're really, you're, really, um, you're really doing it for yourself and not for them. You're really telling them not to do, let's say, uh, play, on the, uh, play on the couch and jumping on the couch. You're doing it for yourself and not for them. All right. I definitely so hear that. My the... question now is, um, yeah. I mean, just, to be, just to be realistic here, just to be realistic here, uh, I know it's hard, especially you know, when you go to your parents, go to your in-laws, and you have older people there. My my mother-in-law's mother is going to be there, and he got very wild. We and her, we have a few kids who are, who are adorable. We love them a lot, but we have to know how to uh, 
adjust the issues and how to uh, get them to be tamed and let them be and still give them their space. So if there's any Lamborghini has a way to explain how to give them their space at the same time, teach them that there are ways to act and ways not to act, especially when older people are around. So I gave an entire lecture, I gave an entire program, which that was for a fee, actually. And there we discussed some of the delegating tools and how you plan it out ahead of time. However, what I hear over here is actual simple parenting skills. How do you control your kids when they go to someone's house and to have behavior? And I agree with the Rav, and that's the number one point that I mentioned in the program. Pesach is not the time to start focusing on that. What my recommendation is, sign up now to a parenting class. Look who's doing parenting class, and you'll get the tools how to work on it. Mm-hmm. Notes, I can't, we cannot give you the skills that takes, let's say, five or six weeks of practice to get it in three, four days. It's impossible. What's happening is people always call up at crunch time. Mm. So you're saying it's too late now? What I'm saying is that uh, realistically, yeah. But I'll tell you what, if you can call up the week after Pesach and ask me, what do I do? I'll have an answer for you. I'll start giving you some solutions. In fact, to give away part of the secret, I plan on doing now a parenting class, Mertesham, after Pesach. But I need you to understand there are questions that we can address and questions that we can't. Something that takes a five-part issue to address is important for you to recognize. And it's not just for you. The reason why I'm mentioning it is because so many people are calling me up about the same question. The time to deal with it is not... Have you ever seen an Olympic, um, let's say, skier start skiing at the first time, start practicing during the Olympics? Or they spend four years between studying every single day? I get the point. Yeah. So people are calling up. We're now going to go at the Seder. When we're supposed to already be trained, work it out with them, have them being able to sit, teach them how not to jump all over Bobby's couch. And now at the at the seder is where we're going to start doing chinuch now. When we're tense, our wife is tense, our kids are tense. Yeah. So I'm sorry that I can't give you the simple answer. We're laughing over here. You saw my response? All right, so let me just tell you what I'm laughing at over here, my friend. Len, let each of you guys join me. You remember the question that we had about that I read about this person that says that they're about the Almono, the sister. I, I just read earlier. Did you hear the question? I must have missed that one. All right. Uh, well, yeah, it's, it's okay. So someone basically asked that they have a sister that's an Almono and they want to invite them for Pesach. For Shabbos Day, they want to come for the Suda, which is the first day. But the reason why they can't do it is because they are such a perfectionist that if their kids will make a mistake at the, at the Friday night Seder, they're going to be too tense. So what do they do? Do they have a bigger mitzvah to take care of their kids or a bigger mitzvah to take in an almona? And my point, mm-hmm. my response was the mitzvah is to both. And if she is such a perfectionist, there is no way she is allowing her kids to spill. So she gave, or I'm assuming it's a lady. So this person responded like this, which I was, someone was like this. Thank you for your answering my question about the almona. Just wanted to clarify that my kids would spill. And if no one was coming, I'd be very calm. It's only when guests come, I'm nervous. So since I'm dealing with a program, I'm not able to type much. I just wrote back one word, impossible. So then the person responds now, if I would live on an island, I really don't care about what my house looks like. I'm a people pleaser. I'm just crazy about impressing others. And that's exactly what I'm able to notice in the questions. So let's not 
fool ourselves and start saying, you know, that I'm a perfectionist only because people are coming. That's not true. And the same as I'd like to tell all of us listening over here. If we go to public places and we got issues with our kids and how they're going to behave and going to the parents and grandparents, let's just take a simple parenting. It's a skill based. It's not a hashkafa. We're not even talking about hashkafa now. Simply skills and delegating, simple, simple skills on how to have control over people. And control does not mean manipulation, does not mean where the kids don't have a choice. Control is simple, that we're able to be the leaders and have people under us follow 80, 90 percent with them. Part of the control is having them understand why we're doing it. Part of the control is having them give the choice and the time when to speak and when to voice an opposition or an opinion. It's not mindless control that if a kid gives an opinion out of chutzpahdig, there's the appropriate time. But it's a skills-based system. So that's what I'm saying, Meretz After Pesach, we will be addressing that. So the Weimarger is saying that, that the parenting in the home is the same By idea. By the way, the Rabbi Weimarger part, I'd prefer if you just call me Mordechai. It'll make it easier. <laughs> Much easier for me. It's like I'm thinking, who is that every time you say it? You know, when people address it in a text, I understand it. Sometimes it's women, so I appreciate it this way. You know, for the sneeze levels, instead of Mr., they want to give me more an honorific level. Rabbi, that's okay, but... You're a guy, so let's go with Mordechai over here. Okay, so I'm sorry, Mordechai. So why you call me, uh, Rabbi? <laughs> yeah, well, you're my boss, sort of, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, you're saying that parenting at home works the same way as parenting really anywhere? With the same ideas, the same techniques, the same foundations works the same way? Exactly. It's the same exact tools that you're going to use at home that you can use at the grandparents. You just need to train it a little bit in advance. So when we're at Bobby's house, we're going to sit at the chairs. If you're going to the couch and you're jumping, let's say, like, what do you do at home? You remind them, no, please come over here. The same tools that you do in the house, you will just substitute them and practice them, recognize you know, we're living in Brooklyn, sometimes you see like 10 police cars with the lights and they're like they're doing some drill, they're doing some practice. You practice in advance. And one of the big mm-hmm. secrets about it is you just, you just take the concepts, you prepare. What are the issues that could happen at Bobby and Zaidi's house or Saba and Safta's house? And it could be that one of the nephews are going to start fighting. What do you do in your house when the kids fight? They want mm-hmm. a toy. What would you do? If it's up too late, will you put them to sleep? You just start taking the tools that you have. Mm-hmm. And you start substituting them for what happens if we're by Bobby's house? Mm-hmm. Because it, that, does that does that work with um, the Rav still saying there's no like? I think the Rav was trying to say let's take the pressure out of being machanach our kids. That means all of a sudden everyone is involved. Mother, father, grandparents, aunts, uncles, everyone is being machanach these poor kids that they're already four hours past their bedtime that they're kvetchy when they should have been to sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's saying. Now is not the time for that. Right. In the Hagdama, what I gave to that pa- to that Pesach course, it's let's rec- let's remember. Kids will not remember that much the Dvatayra that we said, but they will remember the emotions that we put into the Seder. Was Tati and Mommy happy, smiling, beaming, proud of us? Did they clap us on the back and say, "What a beautiful Dvatayra you said to Manishtana Great"? Or will they remember? Get off the chair! Get off the crouch! You're not hitting! Stop touching the other one! Get your hands off! You just spilled the grape juice! Can't you sit straight? <laughs> That is what kids will remember the emotions. If they remember Tati saying Dvartaira with so much love, that's what they'll remember. The exact Dvartaira, you will probably have one Dvartaira that you repeat year after year, and that's the one that they'll remember. But they will not remember the one that you repeat every year something else. The emotions is what we're able to put in, and that's what I think the Rav is trying to say. 
That's my opinion. But again, I haven't heard his drushas. That's his concept. Let's stop having mother, father, and grandparents all gang up on that one kid that's an issue. So to him, Seder is torture. Or to her, Seder is torture. That's what I think the Rav is saying. Thank you very much. Amen. And you too. You go to Miss S. Miss S. You're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissim. 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 We got it now. Okay. <laughs> Nissim. Hello, and we'll ask you if you can just close the your radio in the background or t or phone in the background. Hello. Yeah. Great, you're on. Oh, okay. Because the radio is like a few minutes behind. It was yeah. Confusing me. Okay. Yeah, we got a delay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um, basically, I work with a group of second graders, about ten in the group, um, um, and. The issue is that the kids are extremely, extremely competitive, and, like, they're very good. They're very smart and attentive and involved, but I guess part of them being so um, into it is that they're, like, always pointing out the other kids' mistakes to me. And, like, I mean, sometimes they're right, but it's just, like, not good for them. So, like, um, if I gave a kid a sticker, like, five kids will jump up. No, but she made that mistake. She didn't deserve that sticker. It's not fair. All right. So your question is, how do you change around the classes focus on the negative? They're competitive, so therefore they're knocking the other one down to build themselves up. That's your yeah. question? Let's deal with it in the short version, because this is really, again, a lot of classes similar to the parenting class or tools, which takes a couple of weeks to build up. Not a lot, but I'll just give you the short version. The short version is that you prepare the class ahead of time and you start telling them, this is what I notice in the class. So when I give someone something and the other kids would like to happen, would like to have it, what we do is we say why the other one doesn't deserve it. So this is how we're going to start dealing with it. Whoever says the other one doesn't deserve it, the one that they say doesn't deserve it will get it anyhow. Now, if you want to get something, what we will start doing is you'll start telling me why you deserve Start defending yourself without knocking anyone down. So if girl A will knock girl B down, girl B automatically gets a prize. You will see how quick they stop knocking anyone. Right, well, let's see they're right. Like, sometimes kids Doesn't lie. matter. They're allowed to be right. Hold on. Let's stop a second. Are you perfect? Are no. you perfect? How would you like it every time you make a mistake, another teacher says, oh, she made a mistake. There you go. That's a right, teacher. Right. She made that mistake. We want to allow kids, and what we want to start teaching them is the more mistakes you make, the more successful you will be in life, the happier you will be. We had the first call of this wonderful girl, but she's afraid of making a mistake. She's afraid to be late. Listen to the anxiety that we create. Imagine a girl's in class and she's got five girls pouncing on her. You really didn't deserve it. You right. made a mistake. They all do that to each other. That's right. Now, what yeah. do you think will happen? It's dog eats dog. Instead of creating a happy, safe environment to learn, to explore, Imagine you're going to be a teacher and you got another teacher of 10 years experience in you. The first year that you're in school and every day, you know what mistakes you do? Oh, you just did it wrong. You just did that. How do you think you'll be a teacher after that? Right. No, that, you know. So what we want to start teaching the girls that you want to start going, girls, here we reward mistakes. We do not go for perfection. And if we say that a girl made a mistake, we give that girl a present. Because we thank her for making a mistake and for trying. And if anyone points out another one's mistake, then we will either take away a point or something along those lines. It's about sharing what mistakes you've done. It's not about what mistakes are out there. Right. 
Okay, it doesn't really work on the subject that I work on. Like, I work on Cleo, so, like, very, like, they tend to make a lot of careless mistakes, so they really need to be careful. Why? 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 Why aren't you allowing them to do better? I let them make mistakes, but, like, the idea is that... Let me ask you something. When they make a mistake and you want to reward reward the girl that made a mistake because she did better, does that mean you can't give her a reward because she still made a mistake? Well, they don't get a reward if they made a mistake, only if they... You know, oh yeah. How about you? Well, how about maybe you change your really focus a little? Them. Maybe we change the focus a little. That you're rewarding those that improved from the last time. Would you want me? How How would you like to be uh, measured and judged by the way you judge them? For Hashem Yishmar, I would not want to be judged that way. Right. No. Like I feel like it's not a good system. But I have to say, it really works. Like, no, it does not. Really it, careful. No, it does yeah. not. You're ruining. I, I don't want to attack you, but sort of, okay. you know, like you've you've cho- you, how it's the saying goes, like you you chopped off your nose to spite your face, something like that. Like you, yeah. you know, you saved a penny, but you lost a dollar. What do you think uh-huh. is going to happen to these girls if you're teaching them perfection? How many girls are not answering questions when you ask because they're afraid you're going to catch them at that mistake? Right. Right. Yeah. Well. I'm- Look at and even look at the attitude, look look, and look at the atmosphere that's being created now. Everyone's focusing on the other one's mistakes. Right. Yeah. Do you realize now? Let's try changing the picture. What would happen if you're going to go? We give rewards for getting better. So if someone's getting a 60 on a test, means they made six mistakes, let's say in their career, and now they only made four. Wow! Here you get a candy for improving. That would be great. And the good. So now you got your work cut out for you. (laughs) You got it. So look at it this way. Your job got harder. On the other hand, you've just saved girls in their career that they don't hate reading. Do you know how many boys I have to work on that people say they have a learning disorder and they don't have a learning disorder? They just have so much stress on reading? It's emotional. All right, well, in a group, it's different than one-on-one. One-on-one is, you know. Are you doing one-on-one or are you doing in a group? I do both. Why? I do both. I do both. Okay. Now, why can't you do the tools that you do one-on-one in a group? Because it's just It's harder. It's much harder. I agree it's harder. Certainly it's harder. Of course it's harder. Class management is very difficult. You speak to anyone that runs a class of 20 uh, or a teacher of 20 girls and then they do one-on-one, you bet you it's harder. Right, I, like I find the dynamics are totally different. They so, can most completely are. Now, let me know. ask you a bit of a personal question. Have you ever taken any course in class dynamics or in running a class? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I taught for many years. I, I didn't just, ask if you taught. I asked if you took a course. <laughs> yeah, I have. Okay. And have you mastered or would you like to take it sometimes a second time? No. Okay. I haven't found too many that, you know, are really... Really good. Okay, so let me ask you something as follows. Do you realize that if you can shift the focus and maybe have a little roster with each of the girls' names, let's see, you'll have 20 girls there, and you'll write down that when they did Creo, this one did four mistakes, this one did three, and when you ask them to read, you'll start, you'll put that little note over there. Wow, now they only did three. You'll tell them, you know, last time you read, you made four mistakes. Now you only did three. You're getting better at it. Here is a prize. Are you doing better? And this way, the goal is when we individualize on the strength on what we are gaining rather on what we've lost, 
then they can start growing. Do you know that when clients start with me, that's one of the hardest points for clients to focus on? That means clients come in here, they're taking, I've had four sessions, I'm still a failure. And I go, you know something? Let's be honest, you really are still a failure. But what has changed in the four sessions? What has changed is you're starting to recognize what are the difficulties, why are you failing? You started to, um, started to institute some of the systems that we've discussed into the new form. And instead of failing, instead of getting a 20, you now got a 40 on your mark. So yes, you actually did fail, but you're improving. If we continue this path, where will you get there? So now let's start changing the focus that you're not still failing. You are improving and you've just doubled your score. Or you are depressed 20 hours out of the day and now you're just depressed <laughs> 16 hours a day, you just improve yourself to four hours of happiness a day. Times an entire week times seven, that's 21 hours of happiness. Right. <laughs> By yeah, the way, you're, it's, you're, it's there, we're getting a lot of comments right over here on this question over here. Wow. Okay. About. Uh, Mordecai, I know she said about she is a very bright uh, student and very competitive. I would say that in the, instead to take it for individual, take it as a group, to a group and build as as a teamwork, you know, that each one build each fr a friend. You know, it's an army day. We said it like, kita uh, you know, it's like yes. union. Uh, make the union, make a few groups of that, these 10 girls. And every time change the leader, change this, and you build them uh, uh, to see a different uh, method. And it's not only individual. Because when you have individual, it's with jealousy and uh, competition right. and type of thing. But when you build a team that depends each on other, on, on a job, the other stuff, other one guy, a guy doing, this is what you build. You group and they know, uh, they start know how to learn to work together and that's just not me and me and me. And I know that in Yeshiva there's a Chavuta and all this stuff, this is very important. Actually, I want to spend actually a moment on what Rav Nissen just said, because I think it's actually very important. What do you think you can do to get the class to start building each other up? Can I spoke to them a little bit about it. No, a little bit. Notice that. Hold on. Let's, let's try. Let me, let me then offer you some suggestions, some tips. Can we have that when a girl answers a question, you pick on another girl that will say what she did well? In other words, mm -hmm. let's say you're having her read it, and let's say she made a mistake that's Baruch, and she said Ba, and then Baruch. So instead of saying, oh, she said the K, and she made a mistake, or the Endochav to a, to, a, to a Kof or whatever, they'll go, what did she do well? She said Baruch very well. Start building on what was done right. And then the girls will start hearing what is done correct. We build by positive. I wonder if you can notice when I answer questions, I don't go, you idiot, do you know what mistakes you just made? You did this and that. Now, how will anyone ever learn? And I don't do that to people when they call up. What I share is, let's understand your questions. So I clarify it, and then I give a positive spin to it and how they can get out of it. Do you notice the changes, how we're getting positive compliments? We're getting people calling up thanking. Now yeah, imagine yeah. I would start answering questions, you stupid person, how could you even ask such a question? You've just damaged everyone. You know what messages I'm going to be getting? I disagree with you, Mordechai. You should have said this. You knock them down. I would be getting attacked as well. When you create an, an era, when you create an aura of positive, a concept of sharing how to, how you can grow, automatically you're going to be getting comments and messages of growth. Right. Okay. 
All right, so let's try yeah, shifting good. the focus onto positive. And the reason why I'm focusing so much on this question is because this is so important for other teachers, for other rebaim, and also for mothers and parents out there. When kids start going, this kid did something wrong, let's start building up the positive. Tell me what your brother did right. Tell me what your sister did well. We can start focusing on that. Give me a positive, a compliment on each of the kids. What's something special about them? Right. Okay. I got it. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for calling in. Okay. Harav Nissen, who do we have next? Mr. N. Mr. N, you're on with Mordechai and Nissen. We're going Nissen, no Harav now. Okay, you got it. Yeah. Yes, yes hi. First of all, I, uh, as more or less you've been hearing uh, in the past, I really want to thank you for uh, the great work you're doing, you've been doing and you're doing so far. That's uh, in general and personal, I have gained, I feel that I personally gained so much from from you, and especially from the, uh, from when you speak about the, uh, or you've spoken about in the past, of the issue of building your own self-esteem. I feel that have, that have changed my life from, I would say, like, from A to Z. I used to be a person who used to be afraid, used to be afraid to talk, used to be afraid to ask questions. Maybe someone would, uh, maybe whatever, all those fears going on behind. And today, I'm on air. Wow, so that is that beautiful. Comes that, to you. Thank you. I'll take part of the credit, as my clients know. I say I only take part, thanks to you. And I take a little okay. part in there. I'll take some part, too. <laughs> yes. So mostly okay, you, like and I take a part. <laughs> But thank you again. Anyways, we really appreciate it. Now, the question, my question is like this. We come, I come, Baruch Hashem, from a nice uh, family with a uh, nice amount of siblings. And I, have, I happen to have one brother, which uh, Baruch Hashem, he's, uh, I would call it uh, well-off. Like, Baruch Hashem, he's Matzliach, he has nice yes. bonus, so he's, uh, he's quite, uh, quite okay. Now, for some other reason, whatever reason happened, I clicked with him very well and have a very good relationship with him. And we're very, very close. And, of course, it goes two ways that because I have a close relationship with him, obviously he, you know, uh, chips in here, he helps me out with certain things. And, you know, because we feel very open and very close to each other. Yeah. Now, but I do feel that some other siblings of mine to a certain extent, are a little bit jealous of the relationship that I have uh, with this brother because, unfortunately, they don't have it. Like, I mean, I don't know exactly what causes relationships, but, you know, certain people do have it, certain people don't have it, and you can't, uh, not everyone clicks with everyone. That's uh, just, I don't know, uh, the way you probably would have to... Yeah, let's go ahead. So, So, I mean, let's just repeat your question or sort of rephrase your question. You're in a bigger family, Kanai Nahara. You're older. I'm assuming you're married and your brother's married. Right. And the family, because he's wealthy, there seems to be a natural interest in people that are successful. It's a natural. That's why I'm saying that. It's just nature in the Bria. And your other siblings are jealous while you have such a sprach with him, while you have such a language with him, and others don't. Exactly. Good. Now, now let's take your question deeper. Questions. Yeah, what's your yeah, question? Yeah, the question is a bit deeper also. <laughs> that I do feel to a certain extent that the other siblings are like losing relationship with me, which means to a certain extent, like I have uh, one, of, uh, one of my siblings, 
like used to be very close and then it came to a certain point of time when like they just stopped uh, stopped uh, we like we used to speak a lot of let's phone, take it a, a step deeper why did what's happening by you being close to that wealthy brother that they are feeling threatened by that well, I believe it's probably that I'm probably getting certain benefits that they're not getting, ah, probably. There we go. Ding, 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 ding. We just hit it. Now, let me share with you a concept that I share many times. And that is that children, any age children, feel love or value love. And we spell love in four letters. But those of you know, that know how to spell the word love... It is spelled, as Dr. Twersky repeated from, I don't remember who, or it's his own, T-I-M-E. So if you want to know how to spell love, it's T-I-M-E. That means the more time we spend with someone, the more the kids feel loved. And that's why when there's a newborn and the parents are holding the baby the entire time, and here you got to feed it, and here you got to change it, and here you got to burp it, and, the, uh, and everything that's going on. Other siblings feel jealous. Now, that doesn't stop when we get older. The more we speak to someone, the more the parent speaks to someone, the more T-I-M-E we give them, the more L-O-V-E they will feel. Mm -hmm. So what's happening now is this brother that is wealthy is giving you more L-O-V-E. How is he giving you more love? Through M-O-N-E-Y. And therefore, now there's a jealousy going on. This, old, this older brother or this wealthy brother became the parental figure. And now you have a parent that's giving more love to one child over the other children. Correct? Mm -hmm. And this Makes is classical sense. family issues. And what's the healthiest way of dealing with it, although that's a huge concept. And by the way, let's now give you the next level. There is the famous family therapist. His name is Bowen. And he created the whole concept called triangulation. And that means that let's say you get close with his brother. Now, you two, let's say, form a triangle or form a relationship. Now, the other ones get now locked out of the triangle. So now they're going to have to fight this triangle. And now right. it starts getting family territories. Who's on which side? Right. One of the ways of dealing with it is your brother, you guys, if you can do it, not at Pesach, not at the Seder, not anymore. That trip is over now. After right. the Seder, to sit down and say, guys, can we be open, have a conference? I feel I'm speaking to this brother and you guys are a little hurt or jealous. Is that true? He's helping me out more than he's helping you guys out. Is that an issue? And one of the siblings will say yes. It's not right. We all have financial issues. Or we all need help. Or you're just kissing up to him. Or you're really not that, re that real to him. Whatever it should be. Right. And then you'll start discussing it. And then your brother will explain. Let me explain to you what's going on. I really don't want to take over the role of helping anyone with finances. I'm just helping right. this one brother because I always liked him or I feel bad or I was like that or I believe that he's potential. Whatever it is, he'll explain it. Mm -hmm. And maybe there'll be a clarification. Right. But once it's discussed, it's open. I just want to take this one step further. When there are okay. family machlekism that's happening today at Yerusha, it's about the same concept. It's about T-I-M-E or L-O-V-E. They're not fighting about the money. You have sometimes millionaires for brothers and sisters, siblings, and they're fighting over that $10,000. What are they fighting over? It's not about the money. It's that mommy always loved you or you always suck everything out of mommy and tati, and now we're not going to let it happen with that Yerusha no more. It has nothing to do with money. And if we don't deal with it when we're alive and when we're younger that resentment is there all the time and then we got to start having we can't go this seder to that one because this one is going to be there and we try avoiding all those issues right right 
But my only question is that is it possible? Like it's very hard for me to take my to bring my other my other brother into the picture together with the together. Like it would have been so much easier if I can like the one with the, with my sibling, the one who I feel that I that uh, is jealous of me or whatever. Of course, bring him in. Discuss it just with them. But sure. the problem is, like I was visualizing it, how I can do it, and the problem is like. Right away, they would start saying, "Well, why isn't he close with me? Why is that's me? Why right?" Is and you bring that brother in, and, and you do it questions. together, and you discuss it. Let him say it. Yep. No, but I'm no, but I'm saying I don't think I don't feel that I could bring in the. Why not? The, if you don't bring it in, understand what isn't what will not be. The uh, what's I'm thinking of a quote over here. One of the quotes that go: "If you don't change directions, you might end up where you're heading." You realize that if you don't start changing the dynamics, you're going to head exactly, you're going to end up exactly where you're heading. Means they're jealous or they're upset, they're keeping it quiet, there's resentment, and you're going to end up at point B. Unless you start facing that fear and start being open, which is what we do in a family dynamic. And if you're not health, if you're not confident enough to do it, or if your sibling might not be healthy enough, then get a professional that deals with family dynamics. And in two or three sessions, you get everything worked out. Imagine the anger, the sibling rivalry, the pain that's going on for years, and you just go to a therapist that's one fifty an hour, that has family experience, and a four hundred and fifty dollars will see out to the shmaya. You've worked it out. If there aren't major stuff going on, yeah, but I, again, I I agree. But the problem is, how do I get the siblings to come? Now you have your brother. You what's the big deal if you just call him up, saying, "Listen here, not Pesach. Please remember, I'm not saying that before right. Pesach." It's after Pesach. You know something? I sense that there's a resentment. Could we have an open conversation? Could we all do it over the phone or could we do it in person? That's it. Simple. Can I, do you think that I can just do it like, like two siblings together? Of course. Of course. One, without, of course. Without the one who's wealthy. Of course. But then also because get the one that's wealthy. And why is. should he lose out? Because he's got money. Hashem has given him a shefa. And he's got to now <laughs> no, lose his family because Hashem gave him a shefa. I can't. Like, I'm not. I'm not. I can't control him. I can't tell him if he should come, or I can tell him. You're to, asking. To you're not doing. You're asking. You're asking. You're not commanding. You're saying family members. I notice some resentment. It might be in my mind. It might be real. Let's have a family discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, simple and open. Mm-hmm. And I'm not attacking. And if I, my perception is off, please tell me. I just had a discussion with my wife where she made a she's made a set, uh, statement, and I assumed she meant one thing, and we discussed it yesterday, two days or, or a couple days after, or a week after, and I can't believe how I completely misunderstood that question or the comment or the sentence, completely, totally off mark. Mm-hmm. Sure, you say he would be he he would be uncomfortable because they might confront him. Like why? And what's you, wrong uh, if he discusses sir? it open? What's the big deal? Yeah, what, you've uh, never yeah, had, growing up, you never had tightness on any I, of your brothers? You can't discuss no, it with your brother or sister? Why are you giving him more money than us? What's the big deal? Yeah, you guys are brothers wants, and sisters. He wants to give it to the husband, who, you know, who is giving, why he's giving, what he he's won't giving. Give, so he won't give. No. He'll say, listen, guys, so that will be his response. I don't want to give it to the husband. I don't feel like, oh, you guys, how do you guys stop looking at me as a millionaire that you need to get money from me? Just look at me as your regular brother. Sure, that will be his response. Right, but then then they'll still be angry. Why will they be angry? Once they discuss it, they won't be angry. They might be angry if they review him as a parental role. With this question is now going a lot more into family systems and then changing and all that. All I will tell you is there's a lot of misunderstanding going on, and one of my top thoughts that's going through my mind is, where in the world are your parents? (laughs) 
I don't want to go there because I felt I, I purposely did not go down that question the entire path. But as you're pulling me now into therapy, there's now a lot of information that is being missed in your family's subjects. Like the right to be a brother, what does a role mean when I'm a brother? If I help someone, do I need to help everyone? Did I now become the family parent? What's the role that parents feel I need to save everyone? There's a whole bunch of issues that I hear going on. That's why we're not going there. I just wanted to give the awareness. And for uh -huh. the awareness, I feel we've accomplished okay. that on a nice level. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for calling yeah. that in. I appreciate it. Great. Yeah. And we're going to go to Ms. S. Ms. S., you're on with Mordechai and Isim. Hi. Mordechai, how are you? Baruch Hashem. Um, okay, so I work in a school as a P3, and um, I'm in a very big dilemma. I'm not sure exactly what to do. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the last five minutes, I was waiting with the child until um, uh, he was able to leave, and I was talking to him, and I asked him, like, what are you doing for Pesach? And um, he was like, yeah, come on, you know, we're going to go to, to Buddy and Zadie. And I just asked him, I was like, oh, um, like, who's more fun, Bubby or Zadie? So he's like, he's like, Bubby. Um, I'm sorry, I'm like, who, who do you like better, Bubby or Zadie? So he said, Bubby. And I was like, oh, she, does she, like, play with you more or whatever? And he's like, um, then he, he got very sick and he's like, um, no, but uh, he's like, Zadie touches me. Oh, so hold on, hold on. Was, we got to stop here. We got to stop right here. Where, where This is public. This is on air. It's got to be age appropriate. We'll have to scratch this. Uh, this is something that we cannot address on air and where things are happening. I'm sorry. But it's like really urgent. I, I, I know it's urgent. I think you need to contact your supervisor. If you're doing P3, you got to contact your supervisor. There's You might be in a lot of legal issues. In the therapy line, if I don't report or I don't do things, I can go to jail legally. I can be an accomplice. You might have a lot of legal issues now involved with what to do. I cannot go there. We don't address this. And um, Sorry. You need to contact your supervisor even tonight. It's an emergency. Your entire agency can be at risk now. Okay. Yes, this is not a simple question. This is very, very serious, and you should know that jail time and legal issues are very, very much can be involved over here. Which okay. is really like, I just don't know I'm saying this is, I don't have enough, and I'm not here to tell you to report and what, but you need to contact your supervisor emergency, and you all have very serious issues going on. Could have. You need to get advice and guidance. Needs to be evaluated and a lot of other the stuff. The supervisor before the parent, though? I, if, if it was me, I would right away call the child services because I can be at risk. I know there's a top therapist that lost a license and had to fight court battles for not reporting it and waiting just even a day. I'm not. There's a lot involved. This is not simple. You as a therapist are, I don't know about you, but as a social worker, I cited I'm a mandated reporter. If I don't report it immediately, even just suspicions, I can go to jail. I don't have to be sure about it. If there's a reasonable suspicion that I knew and I do not report it, I can go to jail. Lose my license, go to jail, and everything else along with that. I don't know what your degree is. I don't know how licensed you are and things like that, but all I'll tell you is it's a... Highly serious question, and we don't address this on air. It's got to be family appropriate for all ages. Okay. Yes, but if I were you, my heart would be beating right now. Right. Um, so I, I should call my supervisor, not the parent? I'm just confused. I, I will not guide you. What is your, you work in an agency. Your agency's got to give you the protocols for this. This is not an olive-based question. You should have been trained for that. And if they didn't, then um, I'm not here to... 
I'm not here to get involved. Uh, this is way too complicated. Whatever I say will not be correct, and I don't want to address it. I'm just informing you that it can be highly serious for you, and you're going to have to now address it and deal with it. Okay. All right. Hatzlocha and siyata deshmaya, and good luck. Ooh, my heart's beating with that question, Harv Nissim. Ms. W, you're on. Hello. Um, I'm not sure what happened before, but um, I actually had another, another thing to ma- um, a question to ask. So, can I ask? Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, the question is like this. I have an immediate family member, which is very, um, which has a very good heart. Why, I'm sorry, say it again. I have an immediate family member which has a very good heart. Yes. And due to that, she's actually um, also letting herself sort of burn out to, of course. for people. So um, at the same time, I feel being affected by that since um, there are always those critical people coming into the picture and always there to criticize. and. I, I believe that you can imagine how how it goes when people criticize and the, the person that is trying to help and is trying to put their heart and soul into, um, like, for them to, to help them out is, like, just feeling attacked and so um, stressed by that. So Wait, hold I, on. Let me just get it clear. You have a family member very close to you that gets very burnt out and gets stressed. Yeah. And there are other people that sometimes criticize this family member's work. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, what is your question? Um, I'm at, my question is, like, how am I able to... I'm not sure if I, I got to let go or, or what, what. How am, it, am I able to, to deal with this when it comes um, to me? Like, when, when I personally am being affected by by what's going on, you know? <laughs> so let's, 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 see, let's see if I got this. Now I'm going to put it in my words. You have a family okay. member that I call codependence, means they're so trying to yeah. make everyone happy over themselves, and they get affected, they get burnt out because they don't know how to say no. Now you are codependent to her, that when she gets overwhelmed, you get overwhelmed. And you want to save her, so this way you won't get overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really saying that I'm getting, getting overwhelmed since I know it's not my, my problem. But what happens to you when way, that family I, I member gets get overwhelmed? Sense. What happens to you when that family member gets overwhelmed? Hello? I'm sorry. Just yeah. a minute. I, I, I'm so sorry. Hello? All right, our business, let's go then to the next caller. I want to call back. Miss L, you're on with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Hi. Um, I have a sister. She's five. And every night when she goes to bed, she's always crying that somebody should sit with her in the room or lay with her or something. And um, so I asked her, are you scared of something? Like, why do you need someone here? She's like, yeah, I'm scared. So I said, what are you scared of? I don't know. I'm just scared. So what are we supposed to, like, tell her? She's always crying. She's refusing to go to sleep unless someone's laying with her. So this is one of those questions that we usually don't take questions under the kids of, under the age of 8 or 9 because chances are it's a simple parenting question. 
how to get the kids to sleep. And one of the tools that kids use is I'm scared and I'm afraid that we teach them how to deal with that in the parenting skills. So this is a parenting skill question that is we're not going to be able to take it now. All right. Okay, fine. Sure. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for being brave to call in. And Harv Nissen, who do we have? Mrs. K. Mrs. K, you're on with Mordechai and Nissen. Hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. I had a question. People were asking about parenting. I have the opposite question. I have a very structured home. And when I go away, I go to people. My parents do not have a structured home. Um, how do I deal with that? Ah, this is one of the favorite questions that we get about Pesach. And uh -huh. I give a certain muscle, and we can understand that. And that is, when you have a king and queen from, let's say, Barra Park, going to the king and queen's palace in Flatbush, what happens when you have a dignitary coming from one country to the other country? Whose rules supersede? Question. Well, it's very I guess simple. the person who's in charge. That's right. So if King and Queen from Borough Park is going to King and Queen's castle in Flatbush, and now you're under them, you generally honor the rules of King and Queen of Flatbush. That means that if your parents have a different set of rules, you're going to want to do your rules in their country, it's going to start getting very bumpy. Uh -huh. And one of the concepts that we understand is we work it out with the parents ahead of time. If we can have another apartment, great. So this way, in our apartment, we were, we're let's call it, where in the countries, there are the, what do you call it now? Oh, when you got those ambassadors, when you go to an embassy, the embassy in the United States is actually that embassy of their country. So while they're leaving the embassy Gates, they're now in America, but in their embassy, let's say Gates, they're now in their country, whatever country it should be. Which means if you have your own room with the kids, you have your own apartment, that's when you are in your own embassy and back, imagine back your own castle. But you're in the dining room of your parents' home, understand that generally it's going to be on their rules and stop fighting with your one, parents. One, one more question. What happens if they're not in charge? It's like a dysfunctional home and they're not in that charge. That is a dysfunction. Okay. So first right. let's, first so let's recognize first let's recognize you turned out pretty well. Which means let's recognize Thank our parents you. every no, I'm saying every kid thinks we'll do better with our parent than our parents. But that's the goal of life. To be like our parents and improve wherever they're weak. I hope my children will improve from my mistakes. Mm -hmm. However, you're still in a foreign country and it's their country. And recognize if we're going to be there, now start making choices. Can we be there all eight days? Maybe we should only be there for two days, and then Chalamoid will go home, and then we'll go back for the second days. That's what we're doing. My question is, if there's my, my kids get scared that there's no structure. It's something they're not used to. They don't know how to deal with that. Harv Nissen, take over over here. He's yes, over here. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's more in the position than that. No, no, that's I'm saying. Is, is your kid scared or you scared? Are you afraid about it? That the kids learn something that you don't want? I, just, I, I feel that uh, it's something that's between you and your parents. And maybe uh, the husband uh, is uh, behind it. But I think, I think that the most important is just try to find that, as, as uh, Mordechai said, that this is really their territory. As a parent, I know that many times the kids come home and they're thinking that they own the house and they can do whatever they want, you know, and uh, especially when you get children and you have a, a, a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law, 
it's a total different uh, issue and uh, as a parents we have to understand that it's very very you know we have to work on on the eggshell and uh, but also I think the kids has, has to be more sensitive to the parents is the territory of the parents is the place of the parents and I think that you don't have to be afraid about the kids at all unless yeah. re- really something that uh, wrong with your parents uh, but it seems that it's not wrong and they grow they teach you very well to uh, <laughs> to grow a, a nice family mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Excellent. So I just want you to realize it's not a simple answer that we just gave you. It's not simple. Yeah, I know. It's not a lifelong battle. Exactly. It's a lifelong battle. (laughs) And that's what we want to recognize, that when we go to our parents' houses, that is part of the package. And when we stop being sort of more like perfectionist type, like we're afraid... You know, the one thing, so the parents will give them nash when we only have natural stuff. Or the parents say you could stay up later. Or the kids cry and then the parents give in. That's also the role of Bobby and Zadie. We need to recognize that. So I take it, I don't like to go. But like, that's right. we ask us, around, we're told to go. So Hold I'm on, now notice that. You don't like to go. Now how about you work it out with your parents? Why do oh, we even need to they- get, What? It's, it's, not, it's not a situation. They don't know there's something wrong. I can't discuss it with them. All right. So then, then the next step is how do you deal with parents that do things differently than you? What's the safe way? You might choose not okay. to go for Yantiv and then just for Chalamaid. You have the right to work okay. it out. Just recognize that when you're there, go along their way. When it's in your house, then you're more in charge. Right. Okay. Good. I know it's, again, as I said, easier said than done, but let's be aware of that. Great. Thank you. Have Thank a you. Sure. Yeah. All right. Who do Mr. we have? Mr. A. Yeah. Mr. A, you're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Hello. Hello? Yeah, hello. Yes. Yes, hi. Can I speak to a rabbi who's made of talking over there? Can you what? Can I speak to a... Uh... It's Mordechai over here. Nissim, you called up a, a sort of a therapy program, a social work show. Oh, hi. This is Srelik. This is Srelik? Yes. Yeah. Great. Hi. I'm Mordechai. I'm Mordechai. How are you doing? What's your question? Um, I need to speak to a rabbi, one who's made a talking with the phone to. All right. Um, so you know what? We'll take your number, and they usually have other programs of Rabbanim that are here for Kashrus and other questions. So um, that's just not this program right now. All right. So we'll get you on hold, and then uh, Nisim over here will take your question or your or your number, and we'll see which program you want to speak to which Rav. Harav right, Nisim, who else do we have? Mister Y. You're on with Mordechai and Nisim. Hello. Yes, hello. Yeah. First of all, thank you really for your show. It's an amazing, an amazing show. Yeah. And number two, someone called in about kids making mistakes. Yes. Um, I'll have to tell you my personal experience. I'm a Malamit, and I do really encourage kids to make mistakes. Yeah. And as of this year, I started this, and it worked really well. The Shabbat set and the Shabbat paper, the first week I put in the wrong paper for mistake and that way I told them no it's nothing to make mistakes and I see the kids from 
parents that come from like real perfectionists or things like that, it was the first time like they heard the word that they could make mistakes, and nothing happens. That's right. So I think it's a really important thing for social skills for the kids to teach them to make mistakes and how to fix that mistake too. That's right. That okay, is truly amazing. I agree with you. That is the way that I work. Yeah, and the next question is, I have a kid in class that his mother somehow thinks that he has a real problem. And he keeps on going to different types of therapies. And the reason why he goes to therapy is to focus in class. Now, we had finished two programs, How to Focus in Class, and he started focusing in class. But then the mother called up, oh, I have to take him out of class again for two times a week to go to a different therapist to teach him how to focus in class. So how can I explain to the mother that the whole thing that we are doing is how to, him, for him to focus in class, and if you keep on pulling him out of class, he, he won't be in class to focus. <laughs> well, what happens when you actually speak to her? So you call up the mother tonight after you hang up and you tell her, let me speak to you something about your son, Ms. S. We're working on, Mrs. S. We're working on your, on your son and Bachsham. Things are improving. And I don't think right now he needs a therapist to help out. Well, we have done that. I have done that a couple of times. Good. I mean, I gave ready away. A lot of hours on that mother. Particular. All right, hold on. Um, so, okay, let's stop. Let's not. Let's go down to the next level. How about now? You get you and the principal telling mother this that if you want to take your kid out, you can do it at times not in the school time because we see things are improving. I tried that too with the principal. With the principal, because the so principal has a right it, to say you cannot take your yeah, kids but, out of class. But then it happened. The principal told her, "Okay, she, he could go from three o'clock like." To six o'clock. Yeah. But then the therapist told us, no, from three o'clock to six o'clock is not good because the brain is not that much focused. And okay, let's stop a second. Thing. Let's stop a second. Who is in charge of the hours in school? The principal and the, and the, the teacher. And therefore, and the you teacher. keep to your rules and say, sorry, therapist, those aren't hours that work but with us. I, my, my question is, can I go to that firm with the mother? That of course, that's your like, role to do it. That is your role. But then I'll, if, if Khalil has this child, let's say this year he succeeded, but next year he does not, will I have still a guilty conscience that um, that's because of me, now he can't focus? So let me ask you something. How many years are you in Chinuch? Um, six, six. Do you find from your experience that if a kid learns to master something in your class, that they will fall back the next year? Um, no. Good. Now let's take just just to recognize because no one knows the future, but let's just look at percentage wise or your experience. 100%. Now let's try the other way around. Do you have experience where kids are being pulled out of your class when you feel it's not good for them and they're not able to get better? Because they're not getting the right type therapy and you remain quiet and you don't do what's the best for the kid, the kid will still continue having the problem. Well, usually I speak to the parents and the parents really understand what's going on and whatever I suggest, usually they do. But over here, I feel a little bit that I'm in a dead end. All right. So now you've got to make a decision and that is as follows. Do I fight the mother and... Hopefully be successful, 
mm-hmm. which you should be, but it's a risk. And the mother yeah. will badmouth you even if you are successful. Or that's do you the, now? That, that we all know. That's right. Or do you want to allow the kid, the mother, to do what she is doing? And you know that with this kid, you'll focus on others. Or instead of your class, let's say during the morning, say that we'll work on focus or see with what's happening. It's, a, it's now a decision that you need to make. It's a judgment call. 100%. And you got to be able to live with both of them. Sometimes I don't have the strength to fight with the parents. I tell them, you know what? I'm just not the right therapist. Or I told the parent, well, we're going to be fighting back and forth. So I'm giving up on that, and it's now on your achrayas. But that you can't do in a classroom, because if I do a thing like that, he disrupts the classroom. If I like, I say, you know what, I'm not focusing on that kid. No, we didn't say is you're not focusing that- on the kid. What we said is that the kid will go out, and you will not focus on that kid's focusing. You'll allow the therapist to focus on that. Mm-hmm. And but if the parent has got an issue, let me ask you, I didn't want to attack the parent, but if someone is a parent and you've got a teacher and a Rebbe saying we're working on focusing and it's getting better and better with the fact that I'm working on it, please do not pull him out because if you pull him out at the time when we're working on, working on focusing, you know, you're losing out the, the value of the actual integration into reality. If the parent doesn't get it, what do you think is going on? I didn't want to attack the parent, but just understand um, The truth is, it could be, I mean, that she doesn't want to share all the information that she has on her child. That's with right. Me. That can also be. So that's also a thing that I really don't want. Usually when I speak to mother one time, a second time, then she starts to hop. But then now I see that she does. she's still firm with her decision that she wants to take him to this therapy, whatever. So maybe there is something that I don't know. So here we got a message from someone. Maybe the really, maybe the mother really knows better, and maybe he isn't focusing at English or somewhere else. Is the kid really focusing perfectly? Maybe he just improved a lot, but still more he, to go. And that's that exactly be, but... that's right. And that's exactly what we're addressing. But one thing we need to be clear that pulling a kid out of school when you need to do it, and if it's going to affect everywhere else, then it might not be beneficial for that kid. And that's something mm-hmm. that the school and the teacher needs to work out, and that's your decisions together. You're now a team, teacher, principal, and parent. If the parent, and I do believe that the parent has the right to override the parent and the teacher and the principal, but then the principal and the teacher should now give a waiver. Now, parent, the achrayas is on you. 100%. That's what, well, that would be my recommendation. You have one more meeting, and you tell the parents, this is my opinion. And now, if things do not improve, I just want you to know my opinion is because we're pulling him out during this time. During this time, and he does not have the, the time to focus at all, in, at all in class. That's right. And now, mm-hmm. let the parent make the decision, because the parent is the parent. The parent, as you said, might know more what's going on that they're not telling you. There might mm-hmm. be other stuff going on. Again, the parent next year will have another teacher, and maybe there'll be a better understanding between one the other or whatever else it should be but the parent is the one that usually has to is the final decision but the tier, but the school has to say we are of an equal part in it and therefore we need to make give now our disclaimer that you will have no responsibility on us if you are recognizing that you're doing something when we disagree okay all right thanks a Thank lot you for your so question much. and for being such a loyal rebbe who do yeah. we've got next okay. nism Mr. Y. Hello. Yes. 
Uh, good evening. Thanks for taking the call. Yes, my pleasure. Okay, so I have one thing about tonight and two from last night. I, I didn't hear your answer to that woman, the first woman that called about being always early. Yeah, well, we discussed it sort of anxiety to work on the perfectionist, to work on the on the self-esteem. Okay, but I, I wanted to add, so to add to that, that um, it's a good thing to be early. Just like if you arrange for somebody to come pick you up, and you have to go to the airport or something, you and you're waiting or a car service, you'd rather that they come early. A uh, suggestion would be that if you come early, you bring a book with you or something to keep you busy. And it's very good to come early and just stay calm. All right, so let me be that Let me be that girl a second. Let me be that girl a second. But I am nervous everywhere that I go. And I'm afraid that even when I'm early, now I'm eating myself up. That's a waste of time. Right, so that's why you bring something with you and you're not I, wasting But I'm nervous. It's not about wasting time. It's about I'm nervous. I'm so afraid. That's what she was saying. I get so tense. Wherever I got to go, every time I got to do something, I am so nervous about it. Okay. So I don't know the answer. I'm saying ah, I so what I, that's why I, I won't explain. Up in the airport, that's why, my friend, Mr. Y, that's why we're not focusing on the symptom. We are listening to the question. What a therapist has to do is use that das, that maven dava mitaych dava. What's okay. her question? Is her question that she's just early and when she's early, she's bored? Or do you hear that there's fear? There's anxiety. There's so much stress about being early. Then the question is not anymore about early. The, the question is about how do you deal in general with life when you got to be anywhere? Right. And that's okay. why we took the different turn. But I agree with you. Be, <coughs> excuse me. Being early is from the greatest successes. There's a, one of the sayings in English, uh, nine-tenths of success is just showing up. Right. Just being there. I wanted there. To, to go reflect on something you said previously. Please go right ahead. Who, who called about her friend constantly calling her and not stop, and she she couldn't ha take it for for a long time. Yep. She okay. So I want to say you you suggested that the friend make up a time that you can only call me once for this time and and to talk for this amount of time. I, I wanted to know if you uh, recommend adding that I'll call you when I have time. You. That is that also good, but so, I, I agree with that one. That's also a great idea. Or I'll right. call you once a day. The, 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 right. Exactly. So I would even add on that part, like say, know that I will call you every day. Because if it's if I only call you when I have time, then the friend's going to be nervous, but you won't call. So if you right. make up that I will call you between six and nine every day when I have time, you don't need to call me. That's a fantastic idea that I didn't think of. Right, and then uh, one more thing with the Matseva. I never heard the end of that story. Oh. But what about what about English? Who said? Is there? Do you know that English is not allowed on a on a Matseva? I happen to. I don't know that Allah. We won't go into that. But again, okay, but, I, I, I like your I like I your question. To you, I mean, off the air, anyways. The English. If they can't figure out how to write it in Hebrew, just write it in English, and that right. problem. Right. So <laughs> let me let me go ahead and teach you one of the concepts that we learn in therapy. And that is when someone asks a question, it's never a question about the answer, what to do. Because her father wasn't alive, I think she said like five or six years. And if you can't come up even with words in Hebrew, there's usually it's not an issue about just the words. And that's why I asked her, do you have in general an issue with making decisions? Right. And that's why we're looking, we're looking for underlying causes. We're looking for patterns. Most times when we work with people, we see that we are not dealing with just an issue, with a technical issue. We're dealing with what are the underlying yesoides that are there.
And then once we can work on that, it changes a lot. Uh-huh. Okay. I appreciate your concept, and I, I don't even know if you're allowed to. I wonder what halach is, if you're allowed to write a matzeva. And, and I go, go around, and there are plenty of them. I mean, I don't know. Where? If, I don't know where. I, mean, I don't know. I'm thinking about I was thinking if I've ever seen a matzeva with any other words other than Hebrew, the Lush and Kurdish, uh -huh. and I'm not sure. I don't think okay. I've ever seen that. Pre-war oh. Europe, you know, when I've gone around to the Kivarit Sadikim or or post-war, I don't think I've ever seen like you know, besides maybe in in some of the people that weren't that from, I've seen that, but I don't know if if in orthodoxy, if we're if we're permitted to the halacha, that's what we need a rav. But I okay. still appreciate your focus and your way of coming up with solution-based, which is also important yeah. when working with people. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Glad Thank you. you. Appreciate it. Or Nisim, who do we have next? Anonymous, you're on with Anonymous and Anonymous. Hello? Yes. Yeah, I have a friend. Uh, he suddenly stopped, stopped looking at me and talking to me. Um, now, can you repeat the question again? You have a friend that stopped talking to you? Or, yeah, doesn't, he, or he doesn't, doesn't stop talking to you? Like looking? I, 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 pass, I pass by him. And he looks at me and looks away. He used to talk to me and... So you have a friend that used to talk to you and suddenly he stopped talking to you and you notice that when you walk by him that he's looking at you but then he stops. Then he looks away. Then he what? Then he looks away. Then he like looks he, away. Like wants to show me that he's ignoring me. Mm -hmm. So I want to know what to, what to do. Good. So now let's first understand why do you think this person stopped talking to you? I have no idea. Take a guess. Oh no. Ah, oh, we all maybe you could maybe you'd like to say you don't want to share it on air, but we all have an idea. You might be completely wrong because we don't know what's going on in the other person's mind. Could you take a guess? Hey. Any guess? I don't know. What? I have no idea. You have no idea. Now, let's go with the assumption that he doesn't want to be your friend because he wants to be from her. Or he doesn't like your personality anymore. He changed, all right? Let's say he has the right to change. Because we all have a right to change, to have best friends, and then to say it doesn't work for me anymore. Is that possible? Yeah. And now let's make an assumption that when he speaks to you, or when he looks at you, he's afraid that if he makes eye contact with you, you might go over to him or he might want to go over to you, and he doesn't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. So that's why he looks at you and then he looks away. Does that make sense? Maybe. All right, so now what options do you have? If you have a friend that doesn't want to be your friend anymore, now what can you do about it? Try to be friends. Go over to him and start talking to him. Ah. Nothing so now you can go over to him. Instead of doing like nothing happened, I might go over to him and ask him, my friend, why did you stop being my friend? Did I do anything? He might not have the guts to tell you the truth, but you could tell him as follows. Could, at could we at least, at least know if it's real that you don't want to be my friend? And if he says, yeah, tell him, okay. Should we try to make friends? Did I do something wrong? And if you don't want to tell me, then just tell me you don't want to be my friend. And then you will start working on loss. Loss means I had a good friend and I lost it. Now, what other options do I have? We have that many times. 
especially when people date in the Shadduchim and the Litvish system that we have. Many times we date someone and we really like them and think we'll get married and the other one said no. And sometimes people need to learn how to get over it and continue dating and to continue moving on, not thinking, oh, that was my Bashert and then that person gets engaged. It happens. It's quite a normal phenomenon to happen. Mm-hmm. And this might be good exercise for you to start practicing. So first you'll go over to him. Yeah, uncle, what's going on? We are good friends. I still want to be your friend. I see you're ignoring me. Did I do something? Can we discuss it? Do you want to be my friend? Maybe I call you too many times. Maybe I'm offbeat. Just tell me what it is. And tell me if I could work on it or if I did something. And if he says, no, I still don't want to be a friend, then okay. Then you call up and then you start grieving. You start saying, I feel bad I lost a friend. Mm-hmm. I have two programs on my phone line on friendship. I'm just looking it up as we speak. Um, let's see where it is. Here. It's number 18 and number 19. So my phone line, the free number is 718-298-2011. 718-298-2011. And it's number, seven, it's number 18. Learn how to, net, how to connect to anyone. That's how to make general friends. And then number and then number nineteen is learn how to make best friends, close friends. So number eighteen and nineteen might be able to help you. And part of it is, and part of those concepts I have in those programs are, understand that uh, times that we get older, or one kid matures more than the other one, says, you know what, I'm not that interested in the conversations we used to have. Mm-hmm. And it's not something you're going to change. And kids are allowed to, and even adults are allowed to say, our relationship has fizzled out. It's not personal. I still like you, but I just don't want to be best friends anymore. Now you're going to learn that part of lesson in life that sometimes things don't go the way we'd like. Now, how do you build yourself up instead of focusing on, I'm stuck and I can't continue growing without this friend. What can we do that you can make new friends? Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Thank Anonymous. You. Mr. E, you're on with Mordechai. Hello, Mordechai. Hello. Yeah, first of all, uh, I wanted to thank you for your amazing show. I've learned a lot from it. Thank you. And uh, being that I am already in Yeshiva, it helps me a lot understanding children. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, I have a student in my class this year that has a very, very strong anxiety issue. And Baruch Hashem, his parents are working with him, and they're very, they're great people, and they're working the situation. I wanted to know what can I do in the classroom to to uh, to help him. Well, if the uh, parents, I'll tell you what I've done yeah, let me now. ask you just one question before: How are the yeah. parents dealing with? It? Are they sending him to a therapist? I know they were. But I'm not sure what's going. I'm not sure how much it's still going on. Okay, so tell me what you've done now. Thank you. So, uh, for example, when we uh, we took him in the class, right? Yeah. So I've noticed if I would call on him out of the blue, he was he would like get stunned, and it was very difficult for him to read the puzzles. So I told him, you know, you'll always be after D. Yes. So whenever D would start reading, he would say, okay, I know I'm next. And that helped for a while, but lately I noticed that it's, it's not really helping. 
For example, even if the Menachem would walk into the classroom to give a Tamar Shavua, he would get frozen in his seat. Well, well why is the Menachem coming in? Right. So, I'm just going to give you some of the little ideas and some of the little tips, but I really think it's sometimes that the therapist needs to work on together with you, the Rebbe. So my clients know that many times I work with the Rebbeim and the principals, but the request that I have is, since I don't have time to call and to follow up after, I usually do it during the session time. So we'd call the Rebbe for five minutes to see if the Rebbe can leave the class or speak to the principal, or we try to work it out at a time that we can all be working at the same time. But one of the steps that I find that works fantastic to help with anxiety is you actually will prepare the kid a day before or that morning or at recess time. Tell him, let me speak to you for two minutes. I'm going to ask you this and this question, and this and this is the answer. You prepare the kid with a question and the answer, and then you call on him. And you might do it every day. You might do it several times for a week in a row until they get comfortable with answering mm -hmm. and being public. You might even have the principal come in or practice, you know, what? let's walk into the principal's office together. And let's just have the principal tell him hello every single day. So he will develop a warm relationship with the principal. Mm -hmm. I understand. So what you would like to do is set up and... He should be aware of what he's going to be expecting. Sure. I'll share with you a story that I shared several times. I have this chus. I would say one of the greatest chus in my life was I learned by Rav Pamzatzal in his house for the last three years, or two and a half, three years that he was alive. I was in the last wow. Chabur to get smicha by him. And I'll never forget, there was a faher that we had. And during that faher, there was a Shiloh that Rav Pam asked, and none of us knew it. I remember he said it once to Mepharshim, but it was it was sort of, it wasn't his main concept. It wasn't a Geya to Halacha. It was an interesting question. And all of a sudden, it's quiet, and then Rav Pam goes, I won't say his last name, he goes, Naftali. And what's the kasha? Well, what's the terrorist? And this guy, Naftali, knew it. And then Rav Pam asked, like, a kasha on that, which he said in Shir. And then this Naftali knew that. And in my mind, for years, I go, this Naftali really deserves smicha. He's brilliant. And he was really smart and ahead of the, and ahead of the Chabura anyhow. But a couple of years later, I met him. I told Naftali, I want you to know, I still remember that Faher, how you knew that kasha and that terrorist. I'm still blown away. And he tells me, Mordechai, you want to know the rest of the story? He said, yeah. So he tells me the day before the Faher, Rav Pam at that time, he lived like he lived two blocks away from the yeshiva and he had like a push cart, like one of those wagons to walk home right, for stability right, and all that. So he says, I was walking him home and I said, Rav, you know, he asked him a Shaila and it was the day before the Faher and we're all nervous. And he tells me, Naftali, do you remember this Kasha? And he goes, no. He says, okay, let me tell it to you. And the day before, Rav Pam prepares him with that Vatari. He says, and do you remember the Kasha that I asked on the tarot? He says, no. He says, so let me tell you the kasha. He says, do you remember the terrets that's on this kasha? And he said, no. He says, so let me tell it to you. So he says, okay, now you tell it to me. And he repeated the kasha, terrets, kasha, terrets. He says, very good, Naftali. And sure enough, the next day at the Faher, when no one knew it, who do you think knew it well? So for years, now this guy, I am saying straight out from the Chabura, he knew it the best. But as it is, not everyone remembers everything, but this was set up. I don't think Rav Pam well, set it up for him to do better than others. Rav Pam wanted us to remember that, that, that Kash and Taretz. But I instead hate. of being Chayzik, he had someone prepared and know it. Now, if you can try that with this kid, I wonder how he would feel if for two weeks straight, you ask a question and you prepare him the question and answer ahead of time, and he knows that. What would change? Well. 
Now, it doesn't mean you should only ask one question. He should be the only one. But you might ask 10 questions. But you'll well, say, I'm asking a question, and I want Chaim to answer it. And Chaim, of course, will know it because you prepared him. What do you think will happen with his confidence? He will relax a little. That's right. I understand. That's it. Let's set it up. Uh, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Have a good yantif. Sure. Have a great yantif to you. Have Nissim. Who do we have next? Mrs. G. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Yes. Yeah. First of all, I'd like to thank you for your wonderful show. I'm I really honored. enjoy it. Thank you. I have a son. He is turning nine now. Yep. He is above, above average, like really, really smart. He's a genius, I would say. Baruch Hashem. Hashem Anyways, um, this is not the point. The point is that he has certain times of the year, like now, let's say, that he's full of ticks, like he would shake his everyday something else and he would blink his eye or whatever. Mm-hmm. His hands, his feet, he would, he's not like, um, he's very, um, he's very tense. Uh-huh. And what's your question? Well, my question is how can I stop it? Well, first we need to know why is he tense? Uh, either his mind goes very wild or I don't know. Yeah, so how can we Ideas help him if we don't know books. why his mind is so wild? He reads tons of books. No, no, let's put it this way. My concern is that being that he's so smart, it might be the greatest trap out there. He might be a perfectionist. And when you think he's so smart... He is a perfectionist. Ah, so there you go. His tics and everything... He has to be like him. He is perfect all over. He has to be, actually. Now, do you recognize, by the more you're talking about how perfect and what a genius he is, do you know how stressed I'm getting? I feel, oh my gosh, this kid's a genius, has to be a genius, has to be the best. Rav Nissen, what do you say over here? Because I'm, I'm already <laughs> triggered by what I, a genius I, he is. You know, I, I hear it from the voice of the mom that she's already expecting for her son to be Einstein. The, the second, uh, I, I would say that Chacham of Yosef, uh, next generation, I think that uh, he has a No, I don't expect anything. He's actually my only... He's the one that's the smartest, and the, my other kids are like. Oh, average. No, so okay. He is the smartest. My, he my, is. This I am is feeling such point. a tightness in my chest. The more you talk about how special he is, I'm feeling the stress, and I'm not even your child. No, I. He. He's not like any of the other children. I know, Rav Nissen. You. Let me ask you something. Yeah. How are the he, other children taking it? Yeah. How are the other kids managing? Fine. Perfectly fine. So the kids love it that he is the smartest genius? No, it's just that he, uh, this is part of him. He is it. Like, not that anyone loves it or hates it. This is him. Uh, um, let's try something else. Let's recognize that there are maybe 30 skills that a kid needs to master. In the yeshiva system, in the school system, we focus on only, let's say, five of them. How quick you pick up the learning how quick you can regurgitate, how quick you can repeat the learning, how, qu how quick can you memorize words. And up until recently, very little was focused on social skills. Very little was focused on even the midos. We considered midos on how much you give in. Not midos about what you're able to do, organize stuff, be a class leader, care about others. Now, when you're calling your kid a genius, maybe your kid is very smart in information and words. 
But you know what happens to many times to these boys? When they turn 14, 15, and it's not about information, how much you memorize, but it's about how much you can also have friends and, and integrate and interact with others. Because chavrusas, you might be a genius, but kids won't want to learn with you. Then the entire personality gets knocked down. And recognize when we use the word genius, we're only focusing on five or six or even eight skills, but we're not focusing on the other 20, 30 skills. And maybe your I son understand. is maybe I, your son is suffering tremendously because he's not such a genius in the other skills. Like making mistakes. He might be a major loser on that. He might not know how to relax. And he no, might be he a major failure in that. Notice I'm using negative words, it's just to break the opposite of what a genius he is. I, I, I'm talking about um, genius in scholastics and genius in, 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 in um, uh, like, um, uh, world stuff and whatever. But uh, this, I think, is the, he knows, ev like, um, he's, he's, he's always nervous. Like, well, let me ask you, is he relaxed. your oldest boy? Yes. Thank you. He's never relaxed. He's always thinking about what he has to do and what he's supposed to do. Okay, now I'm going to do the next step that I ask. Which one is this way, such perfectionist? You or your husband or both? Maybe both. Right. And I was going to say you also. <laughs> <laughs> now, how do you deal with when things have to be perfect and it's not? I try. I, I don't, I'm, I how are you doing I, now? I, We're a couple of nights before, before Pesach. How are you feeling? Inside, not the outside, not the smiley, cheery voice that you tell everyone. And you're sharing, I already accomplished everything and everything is clean. I already changed no, the whole house. I, 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 you know, I, I lay down a bunch of shopping bags already. I used to be more nervous and more tense and whatever. Right. Right. So what Anyway, are but this, uh, my question basically is... Um, your son, like, in short, your son is relaxed? missing skills. Your son, the Rabbi Shalom, has given him a present of smart scholastics, and he was not yet given the education how to manage a, a, a specialty. His, his head is going um, like um, faster than, than his... That's right. <laughs> now, notice what we've said. So we're agreeing with that. Hashem has given him a brilliant mind in scholastic information. Right, right. But, but he's he needs still very young. I don't understand what age has to do with anything. How is because, he going to because learn? Because he's still a nine-year-old. Oh, oh, that doesn't change when you're 28 and 30. We, we, we get questions all day long of 50 and 60-year-olds that are perfectionists, and their <laughs> lives are affected, and they're not able to learn. And the amount of times that people come to my office, at 18 they finish shas, and they finish these firemen, at 26 they can't learn, they're out of coil, and they're burnt out. It's all from the same levels. So anyway, what do I, um, how do I help it? I know. How do you help him? First, I would say is, how do you help yourself? When you will learn how to deal with it, you'll be able to teach him the next level. Uh -huh. So the question is not him. The question should go as follows. So can you rephrase your question? I'm a mother that I'm a perfectionist. I'm struggling hard to break it, and I break it in certain areas. And now I have a nine-year-old son that's even more talented than I ever was. And at nine years old, he's having more stress than I ever had. That He's got tics and stresses and shaking. And I see it strict. I see it clearly coming from my perfectionist attitude, and the way I didn't learn to calm down, I can't teach myself to calm down. But what about the other kids? How come he um, got it like? Well, let's not go. Do you notice how your question is phrased <laughs> the way I phrase it? And maybe me learning to calm down, I will learn how to teach my son to calm down. That's the focus. I don't think I'm nervous. Okay. Well then. Mm-hmm. You're not nervous. No. No. So no. you're calm and easy. 
I'm regular. What does regular mean? Define regular. I could be nervous when um, certain times when you're supposed to be, and I could be calm when I'm, uh, usually I'm calm. So what are the tools that you use to calm yourself when you're supposed to be perfect? Let's use the same tools on your son. What do you do? Nothing. That's me. What do you oh, it just you? happens? Just, I don't understand what you're trying to ask. All right. I'll tell you what. We're going to go. Uh, that's it. Right time. How long do we have in this one? One minute. So we're going to finish over here. Thank you for your question. And I'm sorry that I do not have more skills or more information how to help you out. And Hatzlacha. I'd okay, like to thank, thank everyone for listening in, for calling in. And those of you that are holding online, sorry that we couldn't um, take your question and comment. I appreciate it. And we'll see you after the Shema May we all have a wonderful, peaceful, and happy Seder. May we be zeichet to have the Gula Shleimah, that at this Seder we should be in Yerushalayim. B'mheir b'yameinu. Amen. I mean, we have zeichet to have, I guess, Gilu Elio, that when we'll have it, the Gula Shleimah, we won't have to imagine it or see it. We'll actually be able to see it. Thank you all. Nachakosha v'sameach to everyone. Thank you, Mordechai.